Good morning, happy valley, and welcome back to another edition of the Penn State 365 podcast on PennState.Rivals.com. I'm Richie Schneiderite, joined by co-host Dylan Callahan Crawley. Dylan, um, we are now a couple days out from Mike Yurcich's firing. Um, just overall thoughts now that we've had a couple days to process everything, because I know you already did one, but yeah, need no, more um, thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, I, I think the idea of that Yurcich job was going to be in trouble if things didn't get turned around was starting to kind of come into everybody's mind after that Ohio State game. The mm-hmm. offense never looked great this season, even the games they scored 30, 40 points. There's nothing about this mm-hmm. offense that, you know, you can point to as a strength, um, really. There, there's nothing that stands out about this offense. It's a perfectly average offense. It's it's a Big Ten offense is what it is. It's, it's the <laughs> Iowa Hawkeyes with better athletes. Um, yeah. But the offense never showed sign of improvement. Um, The play calling this year throughout the season was pretty, I think, um, dismal, dismal, um, borderline terrible. Um, James, James talked about it on Monday in his press conference when asked, did he ask Mike to, you know, get easier throws for Drew to get Drew into a rhythm? And he said those things were asked for. uh, And as, Clear as it was, they never happened. And I mean, Mike Yurcich <clears throat> failed not only Penn State's offense this year; they he failed uh, <clears throat> Drew throughout the season. I mean, uh, I, I think a lot of Drew struggles this year come back to the play calling. And um, I, 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 overall, I'm not surprised. I, I think mm-hmm. it just obviously wasn't going to work out with Yurcich this year, and with. Penn State's, you know, window here with Drew, you have to make a move. You have to make a change. You have to make a change because next mm-hmm. year is potentially – this was your best chance to get to a college football playoff because this is yeah. the best defense you're going to have in pro- probably for a long time. And you have the quarterback that everybody, whether it's us or one of the other two sides, has begged as, you know – the the guy, a guy who can be a top five NFL draft pick, a guy who can be that game changer at the quarterback position. And as me and Anthony said, he may be he may have been better as a freshman than he is this season. And that yeah. that comes back to usage. And whether that he truly in his development was better last season <laughs> than he is now remains to be seen. But because of Yersich's play calling this year, Drew hasn't been able to showcase any of those skills, and it's been a it's a it's a lost season for Penn State because mm-hmm. that offense it never gave the def never helped the defense in the two biggest games of the season. The defense, while not perfect against Ohio State and Michigan, gave mm-hmm. Penn State's offense plenty of chances to win a game, and it the offense couldn't make it happen by any means necessary. They could never get any mm-hmm. consistency going. I mean. Michigan ran the ball 32 straight times to end Saturday's game, and it didn't matter. Michigan did not think that Penn State could move the ball at any consistent rate, and they were right. And that comes back to your search. I mean, the the game plans may be one thing, but the execution, whatever the game plan may have been, uh, has been terrible, and that, that ultimately lies on your search. Some people call him a scapegoat, but uh, uh, I'm not – and while – he may be a scapegoat to a degree. I, I also think that changes is, is necessary. I think a new voice is needed because mm-hmm. 
three seasons as Penn State's OC, two of them have been pretty bad. One of them was decent last year. It felt like if, mm-hmm. you know, Sean was a little bit better, Penn State may be a playoff team last year. But, I I mean, at the end of the day, it, it, that doesn't really matter when this is what – this season what matters. And there's more proof that it wasn't working here than it was. Yeah, it is it is a tough one. Um, the play calling especially, like I, I just – put up the clips um recently of drew alars every drew alar throw from uh yeah. from michigan game and it's just like some of the calls it's just like I, it's rough but i i don't think not 80 percent of the blame probably goes to to your and i i might be in the minority here but i i do think some of the blame goes on alar like if you watch his throws like he's like making weird throws like it's like there's an open like receiver up top or on the right side on the one uh, goal line. It might have been the two point conversion actually. It looks like Dante Cephas was open on the right side, then he throws it to I think it was Theo Johnson who was covered in the middle for the two point conversion. And it's like, dude, like, just it's right there. It seems yeah. like he almost zeroes in on his first read a little too long, but maybe that's just my opinion. Um, you guys can disagree, agree, whatever. But uh, I don't know. I I do think I don't I do think Drew's issues are not just. Mike Gersich coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think Drew's issues are also partially Drew uh, and his mentality out there. I, I think he's played mm-hmm. scared. I think he's played scared. Yeah. Um, there's been throws. There's been opportunities. He's he's also just missing open guys. But mm-hmm. at the same time, that goes back to coaching. I mean, yeah. Yeah. at this point in the season, Drew shouldn't be missing these guys. Drew has over 20 games of experience at Penn State under his belt uh, he can't be missing these guys uh and and in the day that that falls on your but that also falls on james franklin i mean mm-hmm. at the end of the day penn state doesn't hasn't lost many of these games to jose michigan by you know multiple scores at the end of the day when it's this many close losses it it comes back to coaching and that's something that penn state and james franklin need to have you know a close long look at going forward Mm-hmm. So now I want to pop this up. So we were talking, or we saw Brenneman uh, offer his thoughts on the offensive coordinator search, and here's the names he threw up there. Um, just go one by one. Uh, Joe Moorhead, obviously. I think everyone wants Joe Moorhead. I think everyone raves about him because he was the OC when they say we're at yeah, the top. That, that's definitely the name that everybody you know wants mm-hmm. to. Uh, everybody. All the fans want to come back because, yeah, those mm-hmm. offenses for Penn State were prolific. Those were some of the best offenses Penn State's ever had. Yeah. And that was with a – no no offense to Trace, that was with a quarterback that didn't have a, a you know, a half the talent that Drew potentially has. Yeah. Drew's ceiling is immense. But uh, it would be intriguing to see how Joe's offense uh, could fit uh, – could work with a quarterback like Drew. Yeah, so that that's the other thing. Like, I know he runs more of an RPO style, but Drew can run an RPO style. I know yeah. everyone's like, can he, can he? And it's like, yes, he can. Like, relax. Um, number one. Number two, I've been told personally, and I've posted this on our message board, and I'll say it now since it's already been out there already. Uh, it sounds like he doesn't really have much interest in leaving Akron. Now, Akron's not paying a ton, but he gets to be the head coach of a G5 yeah. program. It is it is a little different. Like, and there's less, yeah. and you said it best to me, you know, off the pod. Um there's just less stress. Like if you go to Penn yeah. State, your expectations are, hey, win right now, or you might be out in a couple years. Yeah, and who knows? You may be out of a job at Akron in a couple years, but also, sure. I mean, it's also one of those things with Akron. 
uh, Akron's such one a a such a tough place to you know win it, but yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I would hate to be an AD at Akron because uh, like at some point when when does the you know conveyor belt of coaches just stop? Like Doesn't. you can't just keep going through coach after coach. When when do you just because the program hasn't shown any improvement is uh, you know since Terry Bowden's left. Uh, that was who was there, right? Terry was Terry. Was it Terry? I don't even remember to be honest. It's been uh, so long. It's gonna it's um, gonna hurt, hurt me until I figure out. Tom, but yeah, Tom Arth. But uh, it was Terry. But either yeah. way, um, yeah, it's a lot of stress. I mean, yeah, he's not winning there, but I, I'm not, I'm sure the AD isn't breathing down his throat, being like, "Hey, you win now, or or you're out." Um, yeah, I, I think, but uh, Akron, I think, knows who they are. And I think he needs time there because uh, the Tom Arth era did not go well. And uh, that Tom Arth era kind of ruined everything that Terry Bowden built. I mean, Terry Bowden took that program over after two 1-11 seasons, built it into an eight-game and a seven-game winner, mm-hmm. retired, and then Tom Arth took over and went three and, what, uh, 25, 23? Like, Tom Mart completely destroyed that program, and now Joe needs to bring it back up, and it's it's a tough one. But I I think, yeah, I think it's less stressful. And I, I think if he wants to be a head coach who wants to have that ability, then Akron's a good spot for him, and it keeps him close to home. I mean, it, Penn State yeah. would too because he wanted to be closer to home compared to Oregon, but mm-hmm. um, definitely less stress. Yeah, and on top of it, like, I know it's year two with this program for him, so he is still yeah. building it, but there's two ways to look at it. Number one, like, if he is such a good offensive mind, why the hell are they 132 out of 133 programs in points per game? Right. Um, but like you said, it was a dumpster fire under Arth, so it, it is hard to rebuild, and it's probably going to take you three to four years to rebuild it, at least to respectability. That, we're not even talking, like, bowl game. We're just talking about, like, competitive. Yeah, and it's – Tough place to win, and if it's tough place to win, it's tough place to recruit, which probably mm-hmm. is a you know a big reason of for that fifteen point four points per game this year. I mean, if you just yeah. you don't have the quarterbacks to make it happen, you just don't have the quarterbacks that can do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at their numbers; policing percentages are fine, but um, four touchdowns, eight interceptions for the one yeah. quarterback, three and three for the other, um, and then there's Taj Bullock, who uh, that was the name yeah. I forgot. Yeah, Jersey guy. Um, but yeah, looking looking at the at their schedule this year, like they were competitive in a couple games though. They they yeah. took Temple down to the wire. They actually were beating the shit out of Temple in the first half. Um, yeah, they almost beat they, uh, Indiana. Yeah, in uh, what was it? Triple overtime or double overtime yeah. versus Indiana? Buffalo was only a three point game, seven point game versus Central Michigan. Um, they just beat Kent State, who everyone raves about Sean Lewis's time there, and they still have Sean Lewis's players. Yeah. Um, Mind you, they didn't score a single point this week but <laughs> against Miami, Ohio. But, I mean, he is building it. And plus, like you said, it's less stress. And everything I've been told, it's like it's he really doesn't want to give up that head coaching spot because you get to literally do everything of the program. Yeah, you're you come to Penn State, CEO. It's, it's stressful. Like, yeah. Now if, he wants, um, now, if he wants to get back to the Power 5 level <clears throat> as a head coach, I think the quicker route is going yeah. the OC route. And I, yeah, and going from there. Pending you get, I mean, hey, if you get eight wins next year at Akron, you might get a head coaching spot. Like, boom, <laughs> yeah, yeah, very, very unlikely. But uh, 
Yeah, going back to the next name on this list for from Brenneman, it was Joe Brady, who might have just got scratched off this list because the Buffalo Bills fired OC Ken Dorsey and just named Joe Brady interim. Yeah. OC. So <laughs> yeah, that I, might just be. I so, yeah. it's it's always tough with NFL guys too because are NFL guys really going to leave mid season? To well, that too. Yeah. And Penn State, I, I think. Uh, probably wants this hire to be done by the early signing period. I don't, I don't see, mm-hmm. I didn't see Joe Brady leaving the Bills in the middle of a playoff push in December. And oh. Penn State can't wait for him, you know. Well, Bills may not make the playoffs, but Bills. Yeah, I was but, gonna say, you watch uh, him on Monday. There's, there's a shot. <laughs> Penn State can't really wait for him, you know, to mm-hmm. till January to come mm-hmm. around. So, um, yeah, I, I think this scratches him off the list. Um, but uh, it's. And this will be an interesting next couple rest of the season to watch with Joe Brady because I know this is how Anthony felt and this is how I feel to agree. Like, is Joe Brady actually this elite offensive mind that we all think he is? Or was he a product of having, one, a great OC at LSU, um, but also having one of the most talented offenses, if not the most talented offense of all time? Yeah. I mean, he had that OC job at in Carolina under Matt Rule, and I know the town wasn't great there, but he never really blew me away with his play calling and you know feel either. So, mm-hmm. so that that's a tough one, but it seems like he's off the list. Next on the list is an intriguing one. It's Sean Lewis, who loves yeah. to pass the ball a ton. Um, now, that's... is that out of necessity? maybe at Kent state because that's just what match in football is. And then go to Colorado, does the same thing. And that again, pac 12, it's just pass, 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 pass. Yeah. Um, so how good of an OC is he? Dion just demoted him for Pat Shermer, who I'm, I'm pretty familiar with as a giants fan. I stupid move. Uh, just, yeah. Just say it. I mean, and Sean Lewis had, you know, that Colorado <laughs> offensive line clicking it, offensive line, offense clicking. And the yeah. only reason they struggled is because their offensive line maybe worse than, Half the FCS. It's like it's very bizarre. Dion Dion's done a really good job of Colorado, but Dion is, I think, clearly also a little bit in over his head right now. And I well, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, Sean Lewis got paid two million dollars to become the OC at Colorado. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be there after this season. He makes a lot of sense now. Like a lot of OCs, if these hires go right, they're not going to be around long. And Lewis is a guy who wants to become a Power Five head coach. Penn State, you know, in a region that he's familiar with, he's spent most of his career on the East Coast slash Midwest. Mm-hmm. He, Penn State's familiar with him uh, from being local. I mean, Sean Lewis makes a lot of sense. And I think he would be a grand slam hunter for Penn State. Yeah. And, I mean, he's the same guy that made, uh, what do you call it, Dante Cephas look as good as he did. So, One, Yeah, two, and, and, I mean, that's everything I forgot to talk with yours. It's on wide receivers, which I think was his biggest failure is that um, yeah. Penn State, you know, as an offense coordinator, quickly, your, your job, you know, is to design plays to get guys open. There was never any creativity in the offense or in the play con of getting mm-hmm. the wide receivers open. We saw some against Maryland with rub routes and such, but then in the two biggest games of the season, it, it didn't matter. Sean Lewis brings that creativity. He brings really great play designs, and I, I think – he, like I said, he'd be a grand slam home run hire for Penn State. Mm-hmm. So now I'm looking at the rest of this list. list. Cliff Kingsbury is interesting. Garrett Riley, Kyle yeah. Moore, Phil Longo's best friends with Luke Fickle, so I don't see him leaving either. But um, do do any of those four kind of really like 
makes sense. I mean, they make sense, I guess, from the standpoint that they're good OCs or they've been good OCs in the past. But do you think any of those four are realistic? Um, for one reason or not, like, <laughs> let me just go through, uh, I guess, each uh, quickly. Yeah, if you want to go through it quickly. Cliff, Cliff would be obviously a home run hire. Would it be a fit? I don't know. But, mm-hmm. I mean, if you want a great offensive mind, if you want, Penn State would be scoring 40 points, no doubt in my mind, next year at Cliff Klingsbury. And, and they'd be doing it competitively and not doing it, you know, it, it would be a fun mm-hmm. offense to watch. But he has a kind of a stress-free job in California. He's getting paid a ton of money by the Arizona Cardinals to not coach, uh, yeah. be a head coach. Um, I if Lincoln Riley leaves USC this year, which mm-hmm. I'm not sure is a possibility, but I know people have been talking about it more. It could could happen. That that then it becomes a little interesting. What happens to Cliff? Like he kind of makes sense maybe as a potential hire for USC, but mm-hmm. at the same time, who knows? Cliff would be a home run hire, I think, but I don't think it happens. Garrett Riley, not sure. I see him leaving Clemson after this year. Um, not sure how I f- feel about him. Obviously, with TCU, he's great. This year has been solid with Clemson, but I'm not sure Clemson lets him leave. Kirby Moore is very, very interesting. I think he has a great chance to be a very good OC for a long time and a great head coach, but he's only been an OC for two years. He's never mm-hmm. coached east of uh, the Mississippi. Uh, I, that one, I think, is a, a tough one, a tough hire to make because of mm-hmm. – the background history where he's yeah. recruited and all that. And then Phil Longo kind of said it would be interesting, but I, I don't know if he leaves Luke fickle after one year mm-hmm. and that offensive mass. I know they dealt with injuries, but even with Tanner Mordecai, that offense wasn't blown me away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I ended up actually just texting back and forth with a couple of New Jersey guys. Cause Phil Longo is a Jersey guy. I'm yep. a Jersey guy. We all talk to each other basically. Sure. Just how it works. We're all Italian. We all talk to each other, you know, the basics. Um, but, right. uh, yeah. Um, so basically what I was told is Phil Longo is best friends with Luke Fickle. He's been trying to get together with Fickle somewhere at the Power sure. 5 level for a couple of years now, hence why he left North Carolina for Wisconsin. Yeah. Now, from what I was told is Longo is not leaving unless it's for a Power 5 head coaching job which makes a ton of sense. He's already proven that he's a great OC. He's yeah. getting he's getting close because I know he was very close to that Rutgers gig before uh, Shiano ended up getting it again. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, and I know he's he, there is some interest, I was told. And if this one opens up, which it, it might, Syracuse. That, that would be a, that would be an interesting land spot for him, I think. And that would be yeah. very good. And I, I do think he's a good offensive mind. But oh, yeah. ha- this year in Madison has not gone well for Fickle or Longo, to say the least. No, I mean preseason projections had them winning the Big Ten West, and they're just—they're probably not. Um, yeah. Although yeah. that 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 side of the conference, I don't even know what the hell that was on. I mean, it's um, four, five, and five, four, five, and five teams. Yeah, it's uh, rough sliding over there. Is there any name that we didn't mention that would kind of like stand out to you? Um, uh, Brandon Marion uh, at UNLV is yeah, one that uh, just a offense coordinator that's grown on me. I mean. He's been around the coaching circuit for a while now, still only in his 30s, but it feels like he's been around forever. Mm-hmm. From Pennsylvania, has coached, you know, at William & Mary, which is, you know, in uh, Virginia, coached at Pittsburgh. Penn State's known of him. Penn State's, you know, I think had interviews with him in the past. 
Um, has an innovative offense, the go-go offense, um, which has been putting up big numbers in UNLV, 36.5 points per game, 40, 423 yards per game. Him and, him and Larry Odom have turned uh, UNLV around very quickly. I mean, UNLV mm-hmm. this year is 8-2. and two. Um, Yeah. I mean, it, it's sorry, I say it's Larry in his... Barry Odom, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting too because he was a name that we actually mentioned all off season for the wide receiver spot. Yeah, right? yeah, uh, he's been really impressive as an OC so far, and I, I do wonder if uh, how far away is he from a head coaching job? Does any you know G five school look at him at this off season? Yeah, um, Which... I always go ahead. Go on. No, no, my fault. Go on. No, I was go- I was thinking back to um. Missouri's uh, offense coordinator, who we had, who Adam had on his previous list, um, mm-hmm. which uh, Kirby Moore uh, talking about a head, potential head coach. It would be quick, but Boise State mm-hmm. just you know opened up their head coaching job, firing True. Andy Avalos. Kirby Moore, yeah. like his brother uh, Kellen Moore, is a Boise State former um, Boise State standout. Uh, so I wonder if Kirby potentially gets a look to lead his former program. That'd be interesting. I didn't even think about that. That'd be a real interesting one because I, I highly doubt Kellen Moore is going to leave the yeah. NFL OC gig for for that of all things. Um, beyond that, it's it's tough because on my early offense coordinator hot board, I had Ryan Grubb from Washington. That's somebody mm-hmm. who may probably gets a head coaching job this offseason. I mean, yeah, I, I've seen his name pop up for San Diego State, which could make sense. Um, mm-hmm. Andy Ludwig at Utah. He's not going to leave there without you know. Kyle Winningham putting up a fight, but he's he's been around the country throughout his whole career. But this is his second stint with Utah now. Uh, but he's had success everywhere. He's creative. He's been able to do a wad with less uh, at Utah. So I think he's intriguing. Andy Coltonicki at Kansas. I just he's he's always QB been guru. QB guru for sure. I mean, he's putting up huge numbers with a backup quarterback this year. Yeah. Um, but he's always been with Lance Leipold uh, since 2013. Yeah. He served as his OC at Wisconsin Widewater, at Buffalo, mm-hmm. and now at Kansas. Does he does he stick with that loyalty, especially with Leipold potentially getting another job this year? Or that's true. Yeah. I mean, he's gonna Colton Nicky's gonna have the opportunity to become a head coach sooner than later, whether that's with Kansas or with another program. Um, I, I didn't even think about that because if Lightpool leaves, they might just say, hey, here. Take yeah. It. Uh, Tyler Bowen down at Virginia Tech. I think Tyler is on his way to becoming a good OC. He's shown improvement. I mean, when they, they went from 19 mm-hmm. points last year to 26 points this year. That's a pretty big improvement over one year. Um, he seems to be more comfortable in that role this year, but I'm not sure he's at that level just yet for Penn State. Because uh, completely agree, and this is why I think Jay wants Sire Ty Hal probably don't end up getting a job. Is this feels like I don't want to say a make or break hire for James Franklin, but if this offense coordinator hire does not go right, uh, I, I think Franklin could find himself in a very tough situation in a couple years. Th- mm-hmm. This has to be a, a coordinator hire that he absolutely gets right. And yeah. uh, and that's why I think there's a lot on the table here. I think Penn State's going to be willing to throw around some big money. Um, which way? Maybe they do go after a guy like Cliff Kingsbury and throw a ton of money at him. Uh, 
they went after Manny Diaz last year. True. Yeah, I forgot about that one. I mean, and if you want to keep throwing out, you know, names of like uh, people getting fired, uh, I, I don't think it's happening. And but just in the aspect of James knew last year they needed they couldn't afford a drop off at defense with what they had coming back. They needed a or two years ago at defense they needed a you know a a big hire there. That he went with Manny, who he called Manny a day after Manny got fired. There's there's rumors that there's a certain head coach on the Pac-12 who's about to get fired, who has been known to be quite the offensive mind over his career. Uh, yeah. In Chip Kelly, I don't think I don't think Chip Kelly's going to become the offensive coordinator at Penn State. But my point is, is I think this is a big enough hire for Penn State and James Franklin that literally anything is on the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will also say it's not going to matter unless I think James has to go to an offense coordinator who has his own system. I don't think James can bring an offense coordinator in that has well, – like with Colton Nicky, the question is, is he running his offense or is he running Lance Leipold's offense? That's a great question because it goes back to the Yersich thing. Like Yersich was great at Oklahoma State. Everyone right. raves about him. And it was the same thing for – um for uh, Rutgers hired offense yep. coordinator Sean Gleason from Oklahoma State. Yeah, it's not their offenses. It's Mike Gundy's offense. They just right. are a figurehead, and maybe they have a little bit of like uh, input, but they might have a lot of input. Um, but it's still their offense at the end of the day. And now he's done such a good job the last few years with Calendar Board, Washington, and Fresno State. But Ryan mm-hmm. Grubb, you can ask the same thing: Is he going to have the same success? without Kalen DeBoer. Now, I think he's just going to carry that Kalen DeBoer offense to wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. But I, I think James needs to take a needs to make a hire at the offense coordinator position, which he can trust the new OC coming in to handle, to bring in their own offense. It won't be a drastic change at offense, but handle their own offense and take a hands-off approach. Because at the end of the day, what is the common denominator when you're going on to your sixth offense coordinator in 11 years? It, it's it's the head coach. And the one that the one that really worked more than any other was a guy who kind of brought a whole new system in, not a whole new system, but a, quite a bit of different system in, in Joe Moorhead. Other mm-hmm. than that, Penn State's offense has been always good, but never great or exciting. Joe Moorhead, it was great and exciting. But you look at the John Donovan eras, you look at the Ricky Ronnie years, Kirk Shiraka, um, and now Mike Yersich. I mean, Kirk Shiraka isn't going to blow anybody away with his offense, but uh, his offense is a pretty solid offense. We've seen that in multiple stops now. But yeah. um, I, I think James Franklin has to hire somebody where he can take a hands-off approach, trust somebody to run their offense, uh, and run it to – running the way that it will best suit Penn State's uh, talent, which I, I don't think Mike Yersich did a very good job of uh, this year. Now let me just – I'm going to spitball yeah. two names at you. I'm going to start with the first one, get your reaction, and I'll throw the second one out. Gerard Parker. Definitely familiarity there. Um, big win, big steal. Yeah, that would be somebody who's had – you know, he, he's had success with Notre Dame. Uh, I – I don't think it would be a hire that gets people excited. That's for sure. Um, 
would Franklin lean that way? That's that's a good question. I, I mean, their offense this year has been what? Good, not it's been good, not great. Yeah, um, I, I would lean towards no, just because there are three losses this year. The offense has been pretty, you know, uh, yeah. quiet and outside of against. I mean, a bad USC team, bad Pittsburgh team, but against ranked opponents this year, they've scored fourteen for 21, 20, and 23 points. I, it just, I think he has a chance to be good, but I'm not sure he's Penn State ready just yet. Okay. Um, second name I'm going to throw at you, and this this might be a little bit of a reach on my part. Um, Ricky Rain, for the sole fact that he's in year three, they're four and six. It's not looking too hot there. Maybe he just gets out of Dodge. Um. I, I get it, but yeah, I don't. I don't think I see that one happen. Just because I, I think Penn State's been there, done that with Reggie Ronnie. The offense was good, but never elite uh, like it was with under Joe Moorhead. Definitely mm-hmm. had its moments, but um, like I said, I, I think Penn State has almost an open checkbook here. I think yeah. you dream big, aim big, and I. If you ask mm-hmm. me, who who that name is for me that's realistic i think that it's sean lewis okay i, I think yeah, you open the checkbook beautiful. and i think you open the checkbook and just write, write sean lewis a blank check even if it's only for two three years write him a blank check allow him to come in be the oc um and he has a chance i, I think you you he's proven what he can do at multiple schools now uh in multiple mm-hmm. conferences and i, yeah. I think he, he would be the guy to target. Yeah, of course. Now, before we sign off, I have I have one last question for you. It's a big one. Um, yeah. Is James Franklin, and a lot of people have asked this, is James Franklin the right guy for this job? Yes or no? Just give me a yes or no first, and then we'll get into the details. Oh, is James Franklin the right guy for the job? Man, that's, that's a tough one. Uh, oh, man. I, I guess I lean towards... Yes, but time is running out. Mm-hmm. That's like he, I, I think James Franklin is a coach who can win a national championship. Mm-hmm. But I think he's a coach that needs to have a lot going right for him. And one of those things is to have elite coordinators around him. You look at Davos Sweeney. Davos Sweeney's best years came when he had elite coordinators since he's lost his elite coordinators, Clemson's taken steps back. Because yeah. um, Dabo is not a great X's nose head coach. Dabo is not a great game day head coach. Dabo yeah. won his, <laughs> his national championships because he had great coordinators around him. Mm-hmm. James Franklin, not necessarily the best X's nose head coach, not the best game day head coach. We've seen that. There's enough data points that show that. He's a Damn good recruiter, that's for sure. And I think that that's he is a CEO head coach. At Which is fine, exactly. Because there's also another SEC, another CEO head coach in the SEC named Kirby Smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirby Smart was a very good defense coordinator. Don't get me wrong, but also he wasn't exactly running his defense at Alabama. He was running Nick Saban's defense. Mm-hmm. He's a great defensive mind. Don't get me wrong, but. I don't get the sense that he's this over-the-top, you know, game-day head coach either. But he has damn good coordinators around him 
that make the job a lot easier for him. Um, again, I think Kirby Smart is a really good head coach. I think he's a great head coach. He's a better head coach than Dabo Sweeney. But both of those are CEO head coaches, and they've done it very well, and they've had four national championships to prove for it. James Franklin is very much a CEO head coach. He recruits better than almost all but maybe a handful of coaches in the country. And mm-hmm. he's made some really good hires. The one hire he cannot get right consistently right now is the offense coordinator hire, also the wide receivers hire. Every other hire. I was going to say, yeah, that one's been pretty bad. All, every other hire you could point to and say he's done a really good job. That mm-hmm. defensive staff is full of future defensive coordinators and head coaches. Mm-hmm. The offensive staff, Ty Howell will be an OC one day. Uh, Jay Wan Sider is going to be a head coach one day. Um, yeah. You know, Phil Tryline got a lot of crap in his first few years, but the offensive line has been great this season for Penn State for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. He's got a lot of hires right, but he hasn't got the OC hire right, and he hasn't got the wide receiver hire right. And, you know, he's on his sixth, sixth OC now, and he's had five wide receiver coaches in six, seven, seven years. For, I mean, those are two that he hasn't got right, and that comes down to him. And that's why I think this offense coordinator hire for James is a big one. This is one like if this one doesn't work out, then I think things start getting interesting for Penn State James Franklin. Also, mm-hmm. it's tough because if you ever do fire a head coach who's say Penn State continues to, to be a nine, nine and three, ten and two win team, if you fire a coach that's ten and two, that's gonna turn off quite a bit of people. Because he, yes, he, let's be honest. He's done it in the toughest conference, in the toughest division in college football, with Michigan and Ohio True. State. He also had Michigan State there for a while. He's done it in the toughest mm-hmm. division in college football. Um, now he has changed. his faults. He has his faults. Like I said, when you have this many close losses to these types of teams, it, it, it comes down to coaching. It comes mm-hmm. down to coaching, and his coaching on Sunday, Saturday against Michigan was pretty bad. I mean, uh, the decision to go for it on fourth down is one thing, but to go for two after that touchdown, when if you missed the two point conversion, it ends the game. I, I mean, th- there's no defense for that. You, you go for the extra point to extend the, at least the hope that you have to potentially get the next, the t- game time score that didn't happen. Um, so I, I think James Franklin has to do a lot of soul searching this offseason with that, but he needs to get this OC hire right because if this doesn't get right, then yeah, he's an interesting spot. I will also say if you're going to fire James Franklin, you need to have you. Pat Kraft needs to have a guy he knows is going to be his guy. People point to Mark Richt and Georgia and Kirby Smart. When Mark when, when Richt was fired at Georgia it was immediately clear that Kirby Smart was going to be the target for Georgia. They had their guy, they identified him, they went after him, and he became the head coach, and look where they are now. Um, True. They had that guy. But it's not like they'd fired Mark Rick because they they just wanted change. They wanted change, but they knew who they wanted to take over the program. If you don't do that and you just go out there blindly, that's how you end up in a situation like – Texas A&M, where you're now paying coaches out, you know, paying coaches $70 million to not coach, and now you're going to have to pay. Oh, I think I lost you for a sec. 
I'm back. Yeah, you're good. I'm back. You, you're paying coaches to not coach, and now you're going to have to pay a lot of money for another coach to come coach. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's a – I don't know if how many people know of the Twitter account, John Tweet Sports, but he made a good point yesterday on Twitter and said a lot of college administrators and fan bases are looking for their Kirby Smart when in reality they need to find their Mark Rick. Kirby is the best coach in college football, which I would probably agree with, but the brand equity that was there when he showed up. Got to build that first. That's a really good point. Now, I think James Franklin's done a really good job of building that brand equity for Penn State. Mm-hmm. Now, with this OC hire over the next two or three years, and if you know maybe this OC works out, they need a new one next year. The next two, three years of offense and the OCs, I think, is what will make or break <clears> James <throat> Franklin. The buyout is going to drop over that time period. And over that time period, there's going to be more data points if Penn State can get over the hump or not. As I said on the Locked On Any Lines podcast uh, on Saturday night, uh, me and Zach were in the uh, elevator with a, a couple of writers, including a rather national prominent writer. And and, they, and that writer said to everybody, you know, or, or to one writer in particular, there's enough data of points now for James Franklin uh, in his Penn State tenure. Pat Kraft has to decide what he wants Penn State football to be under his leadership. And that's what I think Pat Kraft will ultimately decide over the next two, three years is what he wants Penn State football to be, if he's happy with the direction of the program under James Franklin, and if he thinks Franklin has done a good job of building that equity to where it needs to be, and and then if he doesn't think it's time for the job, identifying who he thinks could be the guy to finish the job off, that's that's where Penn State football is right now. James Franklin, I think, has another two, three, maybe four years to show what he can do, um, to show that he can get these offense coordinator hires right. And if he does, Penn State, he'll be the Penn State head coach for a very long time. If he doesn't and he, they struggle like they have been, it, it's, that's when things start getting interesting. I think that's when we can start talking about job security for James Franklin. But right now, James Franklin has a lot of job security. I would say the biggest reason you kind of touched on it, that he's safe um, is that they're, they're letting him hire another offensive coordinator. Like Kraft isn't going to say, Hey, go find somebody. And then I'm going to fire you in December or January, whatever it is, post bowl game. Yeah. So like anyone that thinks that he's getting let go this off season, I'm sorry to tell you, you're just wrong. Like it's not happening. And they just don't have, they just don't have the money. I mean, there's very I think few schools like Texas the boosters could come out a little bit, sure. but they always come out of the, the money's it's like Penn state's weird with the situation. It seems like where the money's never there until it's actually needed. Once it's needed, it's like, all right, all this money just comes out of the woodwork. And it's like, Oh yeah. Like what we want to do coach. Yeah. Like, and it's like, bro, here's your 10 mil. Take it. I don't care. Like, but with the, drives um, me, drives me nuts, but, but with the money we're talking about, which what is like $73 yeah. million dollars right now, 63, somewhere in that range. Well over sixty million. That's still a lot of money to ask for right now. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it's just it, it's such a tough place for Penn State to be. Marty said on the podcast a lot. Penn State is in the upper echelon of college football. Let's not get that wrong. Penn State yeah, is about to go ten and two again. Probably make a you know New Year's Six bowl game and maybe win another New Year's Six bowl game. I mean, they're mm-hmm. about to win. Basically, like said, every yeah. New Year's Six Bowl. <laughs> exactly. 
they've Thank won you. a Fiesta under James Franklin, a Cotton Ball, a Rose Bowl. Um, there's a lot of programs that would die to be in the spot that Penn State is in. No, oh, yeah. 100%. But you also, I mean, at, at some point or another, you have to decide when are you done being content with where you are. If if Pat Kraft doesn't see that there is much more room that James Franklin can take Penn State, then he starts thinking about that. But I think the way Penn State has been recruited recently, because I think their recruiting mm-hmm. is, has been getting only better and better, and yeah. IL is no, getting better and better. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to still believe that James Franklin can get it done. I mean, mm-hmm. he, I, and I think him firing Mike Yersich now, being willing to make that decision to fire him is also a sign that James is not content with what the program is. He knows he missed a big opportunity this year. Oh, yeah. And he knows yeah. he can't let next year slip. So we'll see what he ultimately does. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like we said with Akron and head coaches. You can only go through so many coaches. Penn State can only go through so many offense coordinators under James Franklin. At mm-hmm. one point, does Pat Kraft say enough is enough? Obviously, obviously that's not that time's not now. And I don't think it's going to be next year because I think the OC there is going to probably get a year or two. It's going to get two years of this. But yeah, it, it's definitely starting to get to that point where James has to continue to show there's growth to be made for the program. And well, it starts with this, this hire, and that's uh, why Penn State, I think, has to go big or go home. Yeah, and that this is kind of why uh, I feel like a lot of people are like, <laughs> screw you, Sandy. You kind of put us in quite the bind. Um, it's a lot of money. I'm looking at this extension now. It's a lot of money. Terminate them following this season. It's six mil. The nice thing is it does drop to two mil buyout next year following the 2024 season. Um, Wait, is that? That's what it says in ter- termination clause. Um, because I know there was a termination clause uh, if those were, that may be for what it, what it would be if he got oh, poached. Oh, you're right. Yeah, if he got poached by an NFL or college, you're right. It, so if if you you probably have to pay the full amount then, right? If he uh, yeah, yeah, I I think if he but if he gets fired, it's the money basically for each year remaining. Yeah, that's it's a lot of fucking dollar signs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's almost like Se- uh, seventy Jimbo. ten years, seventy million dollars, a lot of money. Yeah, it's like Jimbo Fisher's thing. I don't know if you saw his contract termination fee was like they're like, hey, Jimbo Fisher's first ever job was Samford's offensive yeah. coordinator, twenty k. Jimbo Fisher for the next week or every week for the next like year is like twenty six k a week or next couple of years. It's like and they owe like seven million by like twenty twenty four. They owe like six yep. million by twenty twenty five, and it's like I just it's insane. But yeah, it is it is a big question mark, and you got to start considering it. Is is he the guy or not? Um, I, and I would never blame fans for wanting more, uh, wanting uh, you know Penn State to take that next step. It's yeah. it you know at this point it's 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 reasonable. It's shut up or put up time for Penn State football. Yeah. You, you gotta you gotta make that step. Um, you didn't get into the college football playoff when it was a fourteen playoff. That was your major goal. Um, mm-hmm. But. There's been there would be no greater benefactor to the expanded college football playoffs than James Franklin. If James Franklin can get Penn State to the playoffs, great. Great. But can yeah, they win yeah. a game in the playoffs? That that would be I mean, for a guy who struggled against top ten teams, I mean it it's shut up or put up though. 
Yeah, that's the next question. You get there, and you'll probably get there next year, to be honest, because it does go to 12, and you, you have a good shot of getting there. Yeah. Um, and if you don't get there, then then we're like, all hell might break loose. But um, if you do get there, it's what if you lose in round one, is it just like, hey, this is it again. It's the same shit over again. Like, I, I don't know what you do. That's a, it's a tough one. And I'm glad I'm not Pat Craft. So I don't have to deal with it. Um, <laughs> yeah, Pat Craft is not in an, uh, a... I don't know situation. how many people want to be in that situation. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll finish the, saying this. I think right now James mm-hmm. Franklin is, is the guy for Penn State. Mm-hmm. Um, but, And I think he could get the program to where it wants to be, but he has to get out of his own way a little bit, I think. And um, and part of that comes with making good coaching hires. And uh, I think they have something in Marcus Higgins. But this OC hire has to be a home run. It has to be a home run. There's no way yeah. around it. Yeah. Um, all right. We've went pretty long on this one. Um, that's all right. I think that's, uh, that's really all we got. Um, we're just kind of waiting on offensive coordinator. Yeah. Big week. Yeah. And be sure to uh, stay tuned over at Have Valley Insider. You can get a free 30 days with the code yes. HVI30. Stay tuned on the offensive coordinator search. But also, we are – Five weeks until the early signing period. There's still some yes. room in the 2024 recruiting class. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, stay tuned on that as well. And the 2025 class, talked about it just last episode, the ball is rolling for Penn State. Uh, oh, yeah. So we'll see if uh, they continue that ball. Uh, you know, that ball continues to roll. Uh, so, yeah, go to Have Valley Insider, sign up for a free 30-day trial. Check us out, HVI30. And uh, mm-hmm. that's, yeah, that's all I got. All right. Um uh, I shouldn't say big game. Game against Rutgers this week. Um, twenty and a half point uh, favorites, I believe it is. Uh, it might have changed I, since. I may, I may lean towards Rutgers in this one. Uh, to cover, to cover. Yeah, we could talk more about that later this week. Um, they have a good defense. Their offense is just. They didn't score a point on yeah, Iowa. It's pretty um, abysmal. They didn't even get past the forty on Iowa. So. Yeah, it'd be interesting. It's uh, Penn State really doesn't have much to play for beyond Bright at this point. So, mm-hmm. uh, I I just wonder how flat they come out this week but we'll see we'll i wonder what i was gonna say i wonder what the crowd looks like too because you're going from the what was it the most ever in second happy most. valley yeah the second three, most happy three of the top five attended games this year ever at beaver stadium mm-hmm. and uh unfortunately for penn state uh it's going to come in a season that is ultimately considered a disappointment yeah, and if you recall the what was the Indiana game where like the students like barely showed up, I could see that being very similar to this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's a good chance it's a pretty ugly uh, crowd showing. Shown. Yeah, which the, the, the announced attendance may be a hundred some thousand, but um, oh yeah, it's always whatever. I, the tickets I, I, I don't are. expect it to be. I'm not sure when students go home for Thanksgiving break, but oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, they can go yeah. home this weekend. Uh, I can see it being a pretty empty crowd. Yeah, I could definitely do that, see that. Um, and but you know what? Yeah, I'm in all honesty, and I'm gonna say it. This this might help Drillar because for some reason the man can't play in big environments. So <laughs> the the lights have been a little bit bright so far, that's for sure. Yeah. Um. All right. For me and Dylan, that's another edition of the ha- uh, Happy Valley, HappyValleyInsider.com/slash Penn State three sixty five podcast. Signing off.